0: This is Many Windows. We are part of the Independent Podcast Network. Find other great shows at independentpodcast.network. Many Windows is a podcast in which we explore stories from the wide world of education from the perspective of two educational leaders with more than 40 years collective experience. My name is John Cassie. I'm the founder, co-founder of Qualia, the school for deeper learning in Calabasas, California. I am joined by Jennifer McGlemery, student of the psychological arts, formerly the principal of Dolores Huerta Middle School in Burbank, California, and many other great schools. Hi, Jennifer.
1: Hi, John. It's Thank you uh, for that lovely introduction.
0: It, uh, well, you know, I always like to change it up a little bit. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I read the uh, I read the opening material, so I get to do what I want, right? <laughs> for good or for ill, I, mean, I get to do what I want.
1: Uh, you could add like some little random tidbit in there every time just to see if people are paying attention
0: uh right yes uh yeah uh, uh joined by jennifer McGlemery, former president of mauritius um- <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> what is that i don't even know what that is um do you so, yeah have
1: you ever played this game or like done this icebreaker called three truths and a lie or sure. two truths. And a lie, sure. Right. You know that one. So I always use I'll never be able to use it now after this, but I always use um, I was a tour guide at an olive factory. I worked at a psychiatric hospital and I was a Girl Scout leader. You know, what are the two truths and the one lie? And I get them every time because I've never been a Girl Scout leader, but I absolutely have been a tour guide at an olive factory and worked at a psychiatric hospital.
0: Yeah, I would have said all of Factory and uh, Mental Hospital are your champ. Yep, right. And the idea of you being a Girl Scout leader, no. Horrifying? (laughs) Uh, No, hard to reconcile. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So how you doing?
1: I'm good. Last weekend I was in Nashville, which apparently is now the bachelorette capital of the world. I was not there for a bachelorette party. I was actually there for a sewing retreat. That's Mm. also my jam, Um, but it was nuts. It's like the new Las Vegas. I was, yeah, yeah, I was really shocked. So many people are moving there, I knew that, but it's like the downtown area is, I mean, I think we walked down, the main street is called Broadway and we walked down there. You know, like two in the afternoon to go get lunch, and there are just a million people on the streets, and there's those those little um uh, buses where you bicycle and drink at the same time and right, you know, and party buses, party bars. yeah, all those kind of things. I was just like, whoa, okay. Huh. was huh. the first and last time I went to Broadway. And um, uh, but there is there's lots of great restaurants there. There's a really cool area called the Gulch that Um, Is actually apparently uh, really expensive apartments. My Uber driver said he has a two bedroom apartment. He's we drove by. He's like, that's where I live. I have a two bedroom apartment fifty two hundred dollars
0: per what? Right month? Yeah, yeah. So it's like it
1: rivals, you know, New York, L A, San Francisco, some of the areas. Yeah. So your Uber
0: driver's got a $5,200 a month apartment?
1: His wife is like some sort of, you know, head of a healthcare organization, right? So Uh, he he talked the entire time. And I said to my friend afterwards, I was like, because he's like, yeah, my wife, I just go in the mornings and on Saturdays, and I'm like, yeah, his wife is like, please get out of here. Right. go and talk to people in your uber and leave me alone for some quiet time on the weekend <laughs> right
0: cuz all yeah. you do is blah 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 right yeah 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 exactly yeah. yeah, yeah. wow yeah uh, my um my nashville experience uh was different i went to vanderbilt uh for a for a weekend like maker thing mm. a couple of years ago and it was dead right um mm. before covid right and vanderbilt's right downtown right um, you know, for me, uh, my strongest uh, memory of Nashville is always feeling uh, like, uh, you know, like Sauron is going to come and eat me because <laughs> of that building, the AT&T building, I think it is, which strongly resembles Barad-Dur from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies. It's like, oh, my God, that's like, that's the eye of Sauron. Yikes. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yes. Yeah. So they all the locals, I guess, call it the Batman building.
0: Uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. Which
1: I get, like, during the daytime, yes. But I came in at night, and, oh, like, yeah. absolutely, it looks like uh, the Eye of Sauron is watching you. Yeah.
0: yeah, full stop, right? It couldn't be anything else. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but we're
0: not talking about Sauron today. What, what's yeah. on the agenda, Jennifer?
1: All right, I think this is our last... Um, episode in this series we've been talking about different myths yeah. um and i jokingly suggested last uh last episode that our next season should be you know a true crime education collaboration uh where called you know crimes against students in yes. school um and honestly like today's episode could almost be episode 1 for that season to give you a feeling of what i mean i'm not really talking about actual crime. so we're talking right. about cooperative learning or group work today right right and group work can be a crime against students uh it can be yeah. something that we you know like all the things that we've talked about this season well-intentioned there's there's an idea there's a nugget of truth behind all of these things yeah that if not executed correctly is because produces the opposite result of what is intended.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: Right. That's where the
0: often are right. That. Yeah. That sure. Let's explore this idea, but you have a very narrow window or a narrow lane to drive in where it's going to be effective. And you've got lots of things that you're, probably doing that are not effective right
1: yes yeah. yeah so for this episode you're gonna play the part of you know the cooperative learning group work advocate or you're just gonna say oh all of the good things because there are some good things yeah about and there's some um notions there's research you know about cooperative learning about group work sure that are it, that has a positive result. So I do want you to bring up some of those things that you've okay. heard, that you know, um, and I wanna, probably my answer a lot of times will be, yes, but. Yes. you know, Yes, but if done correctly, and let me tell you the important components to actually make this an effective practice, because cooperative yep. learning can be an effective practice. Again, it's gotta be executed properly.
0: Right. Okay. So
1: I shared with you, I just emailed you um, yes. an article that I found uh, from uh, Kagan, Stephen Kagan, that's just online and available to everybody. And it's a real quick little accessible. I'm going to pull a little bit from there, but I I want you to put it in the show notes so that other people can go back, look at it, because it also at the end has some the directions on some practices that you can use, some st- yeah. what he calls structures, engagement structures that you can use. Yeah. I want to talk a little about those today, but I want people to be able to have a place to go back and, oh, I don't remember exactly yeah. everything I'm supposed to do. So those will be in the show notes. But I'm going to reference uh, the Kagan engagement structures frequently today. Not that it's the only way, but there's some, he is kind of the master in this area. And there are some um, important components to cooperative learning that he has identified, researched, and um, that's, that's going to kind of drive our episode today. So let's start, John, with what do you think is one positive thing about group work or cooperative learning?
0: Learning how to work effectively in teams is a valuable skill to develop because students leaving high school are going to find themselves, whether they go a a workforce, trade school, military, college, Root whatever their root, they're going to be working in teams almost immediately upon leaving work. There's not a lot of work that is performed entirely and exclusively by a single individual outside of a group context. So having practice at it will mean that when uh, you're not getting a grade for it, but you're going to get paid or fired, because of it, that's a that's good.
1: That's right. One of it's it is one of those twenty first century skills that come up uh, yep. that education needs to be preparing students for the new reality of the workplace. Right? Yeah. I would argue that when we assign group projects, uh. With the intent of preparing students for um, you know, working together, we often assume that they know how to do this properly without giving them any solid instruction or direction on how to do this.
0: This is why this topic goes in crimes against students, crimes yes. against learning, right? Because it is... Uh, uh, it is the uh, gold standard. The older the students, the less attention most teachers will will pay to even assessing whether students know how to do this. And yes. since that trickles down pretty far down the line, as though it's just a nat- natural practice, everyone knows how to do it. but yeah. I've seen I've seen elementary school teachers just whack students together into groups. And I know those students have never been trained to do this. And so shocking, it doesn't go well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have heard over and over again, I've been in a classroom, work with your elbow partner, Um, work with your group, find a group, find a partner. I mean, find a group and find a partner is absolutely the worst thing that you can do to students because now you're introducing social anxiety that yeah. picked for a team. Um, this yep. happened to me the other yep. day in my graduate level course. Okay. Find a group. This like the entire, it's, it's the main assignment of the entire semester course is this paper and presentation that we have to do as a group oh no and I kind of got I don't want I kind of got left with you know immediate there's only I don't know 12 people even in this class and like the boom the people next to me grouped up boom the people over there and you can imagine I'm a little bit of an outlier because I'm so old here right. in this class right. and so I was like left with the people who didn't immediately have a group to partner up with right And I mean, I foolishly assumed that the final, we have a paper to turn in and a presentation to do. So we, you know, we have time every class to get with our group and talk about what our topic is going to be. Well, I just assume that I'm writing a paper, you know, my, in each partner's writing their own paper on our topic, which is, we pick. you know, teaching social skills. And I find out in the last class, no, we're writing the paper together. Oh no. I was like, what? In what right. world have I ever had to write a paper with a group? I mean, you know, we've, I've been through a lot of graduate school to be honest. Correct. And I have never had to write a paper with a group. Anyway, so, I, so obviously now I'm just, you know, um, venting some of my own frustrations I've had I mean, with,
0: right.
1: with cooperative <laughs> learning and group work. But right. let me get back on track here. There is, um, know, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting we're in the holiday season right now and we're thinking a lot about um eating and the fun things we're going to eat and a lot of it thanksgiving and even christmas there's often a favorite dessert that only shows up at thanksgiving or christmas what's your favorite john
0: and that shows up at this time yep mince pies
1: all right, pumpkin pies, yeah. pecan pies, right Food mince cake, pies. If you're a your favorite, yeah. I'm actually not a big Fitting pumpkin on. pie, but the reason I uh, bring this up is because this is the acronym we're going to use today, as we think about cooperative learning. Pies, okay? Oh, okay. All right, that's there. Yeah. You go. Now you're going to remember this. You're going to eat your mince pies, and you're going to be thinking about cooperative learning and how to do Got it, it properly. Got okay. It. Okay. So the P in um, pies stands for positive interdependence. Okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Fancy. Fan, sounds real fancy. Here's what it really means it, it, positive means that students are not competing against one another, but that they are simply working together. Um, okay. And then right towards an outcome and, and success relies on everybody in the group contributing something. Yeah. Okay. So if you think about where group work goes wrong, we've all experienced this, that's sometimes called the hogs and the logs. You got one person doing all the work, Right. one person doing no work, and then you might have one or two people just kind of contributing a little bit here and there. It's, it's, um, Uh, there's not, and that's because that positive interdependence has not been established from the beginning. Yes. So everybody needs to contribute. Interdependence means that each student has to depend on the other um, to have an entire project. So everyone's contribution is necessary. So this paper that I'm writing with my group First of all, you know, what did we do? We just kind of divided it up and each took a section. But what if one of one of the people in my group didn't write their section? And I find this out the night before it's due. Well, I'm going to write it then because, you know, I don't want my grade to suffer because one person didn't do it. And there's always somebody in the group that'll do more because they don't want their own grade to suffer because of some knucklehead in their group. Right.
0: Right what what i often see um and uh uh and this is why i've sometimes used myers-briggs which we've talked about in past episodes as being uh psychological horoscope you know kind of nonsense right but it's helpful in this way right if you and I are paired, okay? And you have a working strategy. The way you do schoolwork, the way you do work, is to complete everything five days before it's due. And then you carefully polish it like it's a precious little nugget. And you would never in a million years ask a teacher for help or for extra time, right? Mm -hmm. And you think that that the work is done when it's completed 5 days early and you're partnered with somebody who thinks it's due when it's due if it's if that person hasn't done the work the way you do the work you might conclude that the person isn't doing anything when in fact they're just working by a very different technique now that doesn't mean that they're not going to leave you hanging at the end but your own anxiety because the group task hasn't been set up correctly, is going to leave you with days of anxiety, building to panic, and then you're going to do a bunch of stuff that either you should never have done because it was coming in anyway, or the whole thing's a mess, right? Students have to understand each other in the way that they work, right? And they ought to partner with people um, whose work habits are similar so that those things go away. Or- the teacher can partner people with different types and then provide a scaffold for working so that both sides can understand how the other is working, right? So that when you're in when you're in a job, you better understand, oh, that person just works differently than me. Right.
1: Yeah, I think you know, setting up the group. Yeah, is something that teachers need to spend a lot of time thinking about.
0: Yeah, rather than um, none at all.
1: Right, right. Whether than just, and the younger they are, the-
0: More true, that is.
1: Yeah, the less they can pick a group effectively anyway. And, you know, we pick a group based on people we like, and then it's a social contest again. Correct, correct. You can end up with all the duds in one group, which maybe, you know, maybe could kind of work, but- If you take the Kagan trainings, because there are about five full days of training that you can take. And one of the first things that you learn is that you should set up in groups and you should, you know, very intentionally have like one high, one low, one medium high, one medium low. Like that's the four, that's the group. And then the, the engagement structures that you're doing are not the, they're not like weak month long projects. It's quick little things you do in the classroom to get students um, talking to one another yeah. working together and then out again. It's not, you know, this like semester long group project that I'm talking about right now. It's a daily interaction. And that's how you start to build those skills of working together. Just a, you know, a real quick little assignment, a quick discussion. It's a great way to promote discussion. And that's one of our, that's going to come under pies as well here in a minute. Um, but one of the ways that you can promote this uh this positive interdependence is by limiting resources. So, yeah. right, you divide up and it could be as simple as we're going to make a quick poster um, about whatever topic we're learning about. You know, you give the students a science text or a, a, a book that they've been reading, or I've even some, seen this done with math problems, you know, you have a math problem and the kids have to solve it different ways, different approaches. Every kid gets a different color marker. So yeah. in your group, right? So I know there's four kids in the group. I should see four different colors on this, on this poster. Right, 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 right. So there's some easy ways to do this without, you know, making yourself crazy. But the um, the positive interdependence really goes hand in hand with the second component, I, which stands for individual accountability. So, this is where, you know, my professor, I feel like, has gone wrong with this project that he's assigned. Okay. In his mind, he has created positive interdependence we're writing this paper together you know we have to bring our we each had to find five references um articles we had to write about them turn that in um and then we have to have 10 of those that we cite in this in this paper and then we do a presentation together okay so yes i he has really attempted to create this positive interdependence in our group. But where it falls down is the individual accountability. So there has to be something that the student performs on their own. And this performance or product has to be seen by somebody. Yeah. So that's where, that's why I assumed that I'm turning in my own paper at the end, because I feel like that's going to balance out that performance at the end that we do together. Yeah. is you're going to see what my work and my thoughts are because I've submitted my own paper right whereas if we the three of us submit a paper with all three of our names on it he doesn't know what I've done or the other people you know how much any one person has done it's not equal um so right. there has to be a way that you figure out as a teacher or just that the students turn in to show um, and be evaluated independently and not always just this, you know, group grade kids, high schoolers, especially hate a group grade. Do you agree with that?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. High school students hate group grading. Um, I mean, and really who can blame them, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want my, uh, you know, I don't want my performance evaluation or my, my salary increase. You know, to be dependent on the fact that I'm an educator stuck in a department of, you know, old farts who don't want to try anything. And I'm an innovator and my evaluator is innovative. Right. So I have to make it really clear that I'm that I'm the other guy. Right. Um, You know, if you're going to. If you're going to go down the road of the group, group project, group grade, okay. If you're going to do that, you should think twice about it. But if you're going to do it right, then uh, the way that I have built that into a multi-month uh, course is that students have to, after they've put their group together, they have to write a group accountabilities contract, mm. right? here's how this group is going to work. Here are the procedures we're going to use to govern ourselves. And here are the circumstances under which we'll seek the teacher's help. And here are the things that if you do them, you will be tossed from the group. And I, as the teacher allow that and the students know how it works. And sometimes they get tossed Mm. in which case they have the student, uh, can't be evaluated on the group things that I'm evaluating because they have been thrown out of their group, mm. right? so they get no more, they get no credit for that. It damages their final grade, right? And they still have to generate work product, which they now have to do on their own, um, and that's marginally more effective, right? Um, yeah. You know, holding holding a group accountable to its own standard is is useful, right? But um, the idea, see, here's where I sort of bog on this individual accountability thing. Don't ask for work product that can't be assessed individually. Mm -hmm. Don't have, why are you having three people write a paper? Mm -hmm. You have, you would have three people write three entirely different components of a report. Mm -hmm. Fine, right? But you'd never have, uh, 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 you, you know, a a a team where you couldn't trace where it came from, do that kind of work in a professional setting, because you wouldn't be able if something was not right in it. Y- you know, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to hold someone accountable. Right. Right. And so that doesn't it. It's not a good group work task because mm-hmm. it doesn't represent what group work looks like in a university setting in a military setting in a uh trade school setting uh, you know or uh, in the workplace it just doesn't that's not what it looks like yeah yeah
1: just and it's as simple as having kids sign their name to the part that they did right like this is i i get it my my professor doesn't want to read 12 separate papers he's reducing his workload by uh reading three or four papers instead, um, which, you know, I don't feel great about, but he could just have us sign our name to the section that we write, you know? Um, and with kids, one it's paper, much easier. Yeah.
0: Right. One paper, one font, three different colors of yeah. of text, right? Yeah. Anything you wrote is in red. Anything I wrote is in blue. Anything the other person wrote is in Uh, you know, is in orange.
1: Yeah. You can do this this in elementary school. You can have kids work on um, uh, math. Let's say it's because math seems like maybe the hardest, but let's say you have them work on a math page together and they have a different color or they, but you have, you build the positive inter interdependence by saying, um, you know, everybody needs to check each other's work yes because you know you are going to get this is where I might say you get a group score because um even though you're going to solve your problems in one color you're going to have to pass this paper around and make sure that everybody uh knows what to do right um Kagan has a structure that works so great in math that's really just for pairs called rally coach and what. What he does is we're just paired an A and a B. And the teacher says, so this is where these structures are really important. The teacher is still leading. It's not for the kids to decide. The teacher says, partner A is going to solve the problem. Partner B is going to be the coach. What does a good coach do? A coach watches. A coach doesn't tell you what to do. A coach sees if you get stuck they're there to help you. If yeah. they see that you're doing something wrong, they ask you a question to sure. try and get you back on the right track, right? And kids, I've seen kids in, you know, 3rd, 4th and 5th grade do this really effectively. You yes. coach one another, right? Yep. And and then guess what? That was problem one, problem two, you switch roles. So, you know, that's just a real it's a nice little structure and it provides that interdependence and that individual accountability that each person is doing uh, well we're now we're also getting into the third part of pies the e in pies is equal participation yeah that's another thing yeah. that we've been dancing around that idea as well is the that it has to be everybody's doing the same amount And that's one of the issues I think with group work is somebody always gets stuck with a bigger chunk and somebody gets stuck with a smaller chunk. So the teacher really has to use um, time as well. You know, we're going to work for two minutes on this and partner A is going to do the writing. At the end of two minutes, I'm going to say switch. And now partner B is going to work, you know, and that's that's a simple way. He's got, there's a lot of great group work where there's even different roles for each person. One person reads the question. The next person uh, provides an answer. The third person corrects, you know, looks at it to see if that is um, if that's done right. And I'm, I can't remember what the fourth person, and then they, then they start passing it around. So each person gets an opportunity to practice each of these roles and The important part is teaching kids these different roles as well, not just expecting that they can do it. And we've all seen this in like literature circles and things like that, where you've got, you know, the timekeeper and the scribe and the things like this. But you've really got to I think where that goes wrong is somebody gets a real easy section and somebody gets a really hard section. Yeah. I used to do something where I had kids. They were reading a book together. They we had little book clubs. They would put kids yeah. together with like four four kids, you know. And they every Friday the book clubs would meet, and they were producing this piece where it was like a giant kind of simple jigsaw, but it was like five different pieces that went together that they literally glued on this. Um, paper. Now you would just do this all on computer, but this is like 20 years ago. So we literally glued things. So each student was responsible for one of the pieces each time. And so there was like a summary, there was a character development, there was an illustration, you know, so there's a drawing that's clearly the easiest. There's some vocabulary, key vocabulary. And then there was one of our mini lessons that we're doing either setting or um, point of view, different things like that those but we met five times and each job rotated so every student did one a different piece each time so even though one of the pieces might have been more like the summary might have been the most difficult piece yeah that week you knew you were going to have to do the summary at some point yeah and maybe the illustration is the easiest depending on how good you are at uh, uh, illustrating things yeah everybody was going to do it and you signed your name to your piece and you put it all together and then you the group presented it at the end um so that was one thing that i used to do that before i even was familiar with kagan that but i had in my mind that i wanted to make sure that everyone was participating equally and that it was fair to all students
0: yeah that's the this is a tricky one for me right because you know you and i have been involved in group work that we've done together yeah and we the two of us and our two colleagues uh really very quickly came to understand what we're each really good at right Mm -hmm. so we would sort of assign each other the things that we were good at right now there's a there's a value in doing what what you'd said, right? Uh, you know, okay, you're on the illustration, right? But you, as the teacher, then have to be really quite flexible to allow the student to interpret that so that they can maximize their skill, right? Maybe, uh, maybe I'm not a great, uh, uh, I don't have a great line drawing skill, but I'm a good photographer, right? Now the good teacher would allow the photographer to photograph and and you're in, right? The rigid kind of inflexible teacher, which we, you know, there's only hardly any in the United States, right? Um, is going, well, Jimmy did a drawing, so you have to do a drawing. Well, that's stupid, right? It makes me crazy when teachers do this, right? But they do it all the time. That's fair. No, that's stupid, right? Um, because an illustration, you didn't ask for a drawing, right? An illustration is a visual representation. Yeah, there you go. Which can be done in painting or maybe make a sculpture or whatever, right? So, or
1: find something, yeah, collage.
0: Collage, exactly, right? right? Find Allow something. that flex, right? If you're going to have students do that kind of accountability, right? Now, if students were working together and they understood that they were good at, um allowing them to concentrate in that, particularly as they get older in school, for me would be just fine. Right. Um why would why would I not be the person who um who wordsmiths the entire document mm-hmm. to make it sound like one document. When I can do that like this and I like it. Mm-hmm. And and y'all are better at the other things which you know I could do of course I have a doctorate right i got the same degree y'all did right but it doesn't make sense right but you know what are teachers what are teachers intending to be the learning result of doing the group work in the first place right and that's that's frequently not not at all clear to the student to the learner like why am i doing this in a group right no reason for it that i can discern i haven't been told and i'm not being assessed in any way that makes it look like a group so what's the point mm-hmm. right? whereas if you're reading in in sort of book groups right like i i have the same thing going on in my class this year right now and the students picked picked books uh and you know from a list right mm-hmm. I'm going to have students in the, you know, who are working those particular books, you know, kind of work some problems together because the questions that I'm going to ask them are only germane to them. So it has to be done within that group, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can't ask uh, a group of people reading, uh, uh, not reading the book, The Black Swan. Right, right. To interpret questions about the black swan they, they're not reading the book right yeah yeah that makes sense well
1: and, I th- and again that's that's kind of where where group work has gone wrong is when the teacher thinks i'm gonna assign this to reduce my workload like right. you have to it's a lot of work There's a lot of prep work to set it up correctly to do cooperative learning. And then on the end, you have to be able to assess each person individually as well as, you know, if this is important to you, you know, a group dynamic. And with my example of each person having to do each component once, the final product might actually be everybody now that you've all experienced each one, you know, you yeah. you've written summary, you've yeah. done character, yeah. you did it. And yeah. it wow, we just discovered in our group we've got a great artist, we've got someone who's a great writer, we've got you know someone who's really got strong vocabulary skills. So for our final, we get to choose and Correct. we're gonna play to our strengths, right? right? So that the thing that we present. As our group to the class, we're going to lean on those skills. And it was through the process of everybody having to do each one that we discovered, because you don't really know that yet. And particularly in, you know, even K through eight, you don't know know. what your strength is and you don't know the strength of your group yet, particularly if you've just started working together. So I think there is room for both of those
0: things. Oh, a hundred percent.
1: And I also think that if you have you know, if you have some groups that um, stay together, right? So this is, is right. what Kagan will say is when you're setting up your classroom, you have a seating chart and you have your class set up in these groups so that uh-huh. you're going in and out of them all the time and kids are getting used to working together just in short little mini assignments.
0: Right, right. And it then- It's going be a two-week drama.
1: Yeah, so then they, yeah. if you do assign something- but most of the Kagan structures are really meant to be a five minute activity.
0: Right. Yeah. In and yeah. out, in and out, in and out. Yep.
1: There's some great things that he has. Cause the, so the final, the S for pies is simultaneous interaction. And this is what I think is the brilliance behind these structures is we've all have been in the classroom where a teacher asks a question to the class and one person answers and asks another question and you've got three kids who are doing 80% of the work right yeah. like the just answering the the discussion work i'm talking about a right. discussion right yeah, yeah. and you've got 75% of the kids who are like sitting back saying thank god These kids are answering all the questions and taking the pressure off us. That's not simultaneous interaction. So if instead you have to, even the, the pair share, you say, turn to your elbow partner, right? Discuss this question. Person A is going to start again. We're taking all of the, like, what is a time waster? Oh, who's going to (laughs) start? And then. You're going to have a time. You've got person A, you've got 30 seconds, go. I put a timer up, bing, person B, it's your turn, switch. You put the timer up, go. That's how you structure these interactions so that everybody in the class, it's 100% participation because everybody's, you know, 50% and then 50% talking at once. And all of these little engagement strategies of which he has created, Easily 50 different ones for different scenarios, um, super effective in just getting that that participation from everybody in the class and not allowing kids. And I would love to see more of this in high school. You know, it might feel oh a little bit like elementary-ish, but I've been in so many high school classes where kids have got their head down on the desk and they're totally it's like that's because you're not requiring engagement from them you're not giving them things that they have to then talk with someone or do with somebody else and if you right. have thought through and problem solved how to have the individual accountability and the equal participation and the um positive interdependence on everything that you give then nobody's angry when they're asked to work with somebody else cuz you've thought through all these potential pitfalls
0: right and if you've done it effectively the students have experienced the lower stakes version yeah yeah, yeah. of this over and over again and so it becomes like a, a it's routinized like yeah of course it's fine right mm-hmm. and you know you've you've done each of the you've explained what the pies concept is so why am I doing what I'm doing? And this is what this is. And give us some feedback on how it was to explore. Where do we need to put more time in, mm-hmm. right? Um, have I created sufficiently individualized work products
1: Yeah. So that you so feel
0: good about them, right?
1: Here's your checklist. Four questions you should ask yourself about yes. you know each time you're going to do, do something cooperatively. Number one, are students on the same side and working together? Positive, yep. interdependent, right? Yep. Number two, is there an individual public performance? And that could simply mean turning something in or it could be a conversation that kids are having in class, right? It doesn't always right. have to be written work. It right. could be that they have to, be saying something to their partner and not just sitting there disengaged so is there an individual public performance required three is the participation equal is it you can do that with time you can you know you do that with the parameters limited resources things like that there's ways to do that and then uh finally ask yourself what percentage of students are interacting you know at once you know at what percentage actually are engaged in this class and discussion and activity. And as we want to not just be having kids answering questions on a piece of paper and having them be able to discuss, having really structured interactions is such a powerful way to build knowledge for kids.
0: Correct, correct. Do you know, slight segue do you know the uh, critical friends group?
1: Yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: okay so uh critical friends those of you listening if you don't know it is a uh, uh, is an organization that helps teams in education working with youths uh, uh, get better at doing their collaborative work. Or of speaking collectively uh, about things, because sometimes teachers have a hard time sharing feedback with each other, mm. uh, or they view it as, "Well, I'm I'm only going to say fairly nice things because I want the principal to not fire this person, because then they're going to fire me." This kind of this kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And what Critical Friends is great as is it set up sets up these uh, protocols of how to communicate with each other. And every time I use them, I remind my colleagues that it's going to feel forced and artificial. Mm -hmm. And that is what you should lean into. It's supposed to feel artificial because it's an exercise. It's designed to generate particular kind of output. So it's an algorithm. We don't live through these kind of rigid algorithms. And so if you perform one, you feel a bit like like it feels weird, Mm -hmm. right? But that's okay. Bringing the same kind of idea into your group work requires you to be describing how it should be felt by the student step-by-step because it'll feel odd or it'll feel like, uh, you know, uh, like this person's not doing anything or, or I feel like I'm doing too much, or I don't think I'm doing any, I don't think I'm doing enough when maybe you are just fine. It's, it's because of all the things that we do as educators Group work for so many of us is just a, we just sort of throw it together. When that's the thing that needs the most structure.
1: Yeah. Right. I I would say that what to be really effective at cooperative learning or group work, you have to have strong executive functioning skills. Yes. Now, the executive functioning skills. So many of our kids do not have them because developmentally they are the last thing right they're the last part of our brain to develop right so um you need to be the external executive functioning manager so we are going to talk about timelines let's create timelines together the before that final project is due we are going to have components of it. Do this date, this date, this date, bring it to class. We're going to check it. We're going to make sure. And then I, as the teacher will see if there's somebody that hasn't held up their end, then I'm going to meet with that person and have them do it. Right. Right. So that I'm ensuring that they're not, um, uh, letting their group down and, or having
0: to police their group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Either one
0: is bad. Yeah.
1: right. That's right. And, you know, just, and so timeline, who's going to do what, you know, having them discuss this, come up with like a contract. I love that idea. You know, a contract you create, you fill in all the things that kids have to do, and then they are going to write, who's going to do it, what time, how is it going to be done? They have to figure that out at the beginning. Those things are really necessary for any kind of ongoing long-term group project. Yeah um but again what i really want to emphasize in this uh in our in our little segment today is that the cooperative learning should be something that you do every single day in little short snippets in your yeah. class yep yeah. because that simultaneous interaction is the most powerful part you are engaging and having students participating in your class without yeah. it having to be one at a time me student back to me student back to me as a teacher no we put it to the students and have them like I don't know have you ever um been in a classroom where like everybody has this note card and on one side is a question and the other side is an answer this is like I've seen this as a uh, studying technique for a a test, like a social studies test. So, all right, who's got question number one, or maybe I'm the teacher. I have question number one, uh, you know, which, uh, ancient civilization, um, you know, invented, uh, right. And then everyone looks at the back of their card to see if they have the answer. And then if they do, they say, oh, I have the answer. Okay. Turn over your card. You read the next question. This is a great example of one at a time, not simultaneous interaction. Equal participation, yes, but not simultaneous interaction. Instead, pass out those cards. You have everybody stand up and you have them go and do something called quiz quiz trade. I partner up with somebody. I read them my question. They see if they know the answer. If they don't, I tell, I have the answer, I have a question and the answer and I quiz them and then they quiz me on their question and I, and then we share the answer and then we trade cards. So we're not just saying the same question over and over. So I have the question about which civilization created dynamite. You have the question about, you know, which civilization, um, started in, uh, the fertile crescent. crescent, Yeah, sure. Right, everybody loves the Fertile Crescent, you yeah. know. And so we quiz each other. It's a thirty-second interaction because the teacher's timing it, you know. Or, or and that's how you get started. Then we trade our cards and we find a new partner, and we have like maybe fifteen minutes. And everyone's up walking around the classroom asking one. Another. You're quizzing each other on these questions, and you're trading them. So you're always asking different questions. You're nice. getting different questions, and in that way, you're mastering the material. Right. You can even have kids write their own question, you know, give everybody a blank note card, write your own question and answer on the back legibly so that other people can read it. You know, it's a fun activity. It's a fun way to study for something that has that simultaneous interaction. Everyone's talking at once. That's simultaneous interaction.
0: And you want that. You do. Um, because there are times when... Uh, when you're trying to solve something complicated, perhaps, it's sort of the uh, the Apollo 13 problem, right? <laughs> you know, you don't want people he- holding back, right? Yeah. You want people accustomed to looking at things and getting their perspective out. Um, it builds a level of confidence.
1: And to get to Learn. that level of cooperative learning where you and your group of experts, each bringing their own Uh, expertise together to solve a complex problem. You have to have had all of these experiences, these short little snippets of working with other people, doing something just in a couple of minutes in class together to build the capacity to be able to do that. We can't just throw kids into these cooperative learning or group work experiences without any of the practice.
0: Fatal. Mm -hmm. Right. It 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 has the advantage of punishing everyone in the room. Yeah, right. Right. The teacher is punished because then you're gonna you're gonna get three phone calls from parents. How dare you? Burp, 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 burp. little Jimmy. bop, ba, Right. Um. Uh. Uh. All of the kids feel uh, anxious. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, you probably aren't going to get work product. That represents what you were looking for anyway um so you really need to be intentional about it yes and you need to make it part just part of a of a routine practice mm-hmm. and if you do that and you're really intentional about what you're doing and why you're doing it and you use protocols like this pies protocol
1: mm-hmm.
0: you've got a chance of having it be really a meaningful experience right and You know, maybe to segue again into the sort of crimes against learning, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that is embedded in all of this group work stuff that we've been talking about today, that is even more the gold standard of a crime against learning than group work, is uh, make a public presentation,
1: Mm.
0: publicly speak about X, no training. Yeah. Oh, isn't the history teacher doing that? Oh, I thought they did that in English, right? Did surely, Surely the middle school taught them how to do this. No one teaches speaking. Right. That's one of the things I'm most proud of at Qualia is that we teach it all the time, right? We have a very, very good practice on teaching students how to publicly speak. Plenty of work to do. Plenty of work to do, but- Far more advanced than any other school I've worked at. Um, so, uh, I think
1: we should put that on the list.
0: Totally, right? We talk
1: about in yeah.
0: depth how yeah. to do
1: that. What does that look like?
0: Exactly. So, closing thoughts, Jennifer. Or are we there?
1: Yeah, I guess I just want to say one more time, like all of this, the pies, everything that I've been talking about comes from Kagan, which is spelled K-A-G-A-N. You can look it up online. It'll be in the show it, notes. It'll be in the show notes. Um, and uh, if you can find a workshop to go to, gosh, it's some of the best professional development I've ever been a part of. You go; it's there are five full days that you can do. You don't do them all in a. You go to day one. Yeah. You go back to your classroom. You practice those things. And I know for some of my colleagues who we've gone through four and five days you end up finding five or six strategies that really work for you and you like and you go to all the time. So yeah. but there once you really start to think about how you can have these structured engagement opportunities for your students every single day in the classroom that meet, you know, the the criteria of pies, it's it can really change the dynamic and turn your classroom into a really exciting lively learning place and and kids will be excited about it. And, you know, they will build some of those um, speaking skills through these um, little engagement strategies as well. So if you have an opportunity to go to one of those, I highly recommend it. If you were trained like me years ago, pull that book out, revisit some of those uh, structures, try them again in class. Right. Um, I've seen it done kindergarten through 12th grade really effectively.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: it's not a, um, we are not being paid by the Kagan, uh, uh, group to promote them. I'm just passing along right, something right, that has really right. been effective for me as a teacher.
0: Right. Yeah. It, this is not, uh, uh,
1: uh, sponsored by
0: <laughs> blue apron money, <laughs> MailChimp. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, listeners, this brings us to the end of season four, where we're talking about myths In season five crimes against students, crimes against learning, not actual crime. We're not doing a true crime podcast. That's not a bad idea though. Right? right. Um, and we've brought some, we've brought some neat history into this season and of course into past seasons. So we'll inevitably do that again. You know, where do these, you know, where did this particular, uh, kind of criminal approach to, to students or learning come from? Well, it came from this place. La, la, la. Right. Um,
1: Ooh, I can talk about um, uh, cognitive assessments, It's IQ testing. That's oh, a great right.
0: one. Oh, talk do you about. mean uh, do you mean eugenics testing?
1: Yeah, yeah. The origins of IQ testing and the oh, yeah. eugenicist movement. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's super bad. Yeah, it'll be in season five. Uh, there you go. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, and we'll be back again with season five in a few months. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Okay, Jennifer. Bye.